Romans chapter six, starting in verse one. What are we to say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Who here has ever been at a complete and utter loss for words? A couple of you, okay. Some of you should try it. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Paul was asking his readers what he should even tell them because they had an idea of faith that was absurd. They said, he's saying, are you saying we should continue in sin? Okay, let's, let's break that down a little bit. Who in here has continued in sin, even since knowing Jesus? Yeah, me too. Sin is appealing because the lie is very convincing, right? Who's also felt the consequences of continuing in sin? I have two. The point is that all Christians are privy to a very radical truth. Sin will never give you what it promises. So he's saying, Paul's asking these, his readers, are you saying we should continue in sin for the reason that grace may abound? No wonder Paul was at a loss for words. Some of the people Paul was writing to decided that sinning more was better so that they could receive more grace from God. Hey, I want to sin a bunch. That way I get even more grace, even more forgiveness. This is very dumb, just to put it plainly. First of all, God hates sin and punishes sin in his children. Hebrews 12, seven through eight says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom, the father, whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. This is a good thing, and I would recommend you read this whole chapter, um, chapter 12 of Hebrews. There's, there's really great stuff in here, but I wanted to focus in on this. You see, I discipline my children because I love them and I hate things that would hurt them, right? I hate the things that would hurt my children, so I'm going to discipline if they're chasing those things because I love them. God is a far better father than I am, so he is going to discipline children, his children when they're choosing to chase things that are going to harm them. We're going to read very soon that, uh, in just a second how dangerous sin is. Sin is destructive, so choosing it is always wrong. James 1, 14 through 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So this isn't referring to some specific sins, like these really bad ones, the sins that you don't struggle with. It's all sin. So our sin that we struggle with brings death into our lives. Does a good father hate things that would kill his children? Yes. So saying, I want to sin more so I can receive more grace is the most ridiculous thing to ever say. This is what Paul's dealing with. So Paul's answer is, verse two, by no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? All right. I, I like studying this stuff. You guys know I like to, to nerd out a little bit. Greek word for by no means is me genoito. And it means may this absolutely never, ever, ever happen. Okay. This was very, very strong language for the day. 
In fact, this was such strong language. You wouldn't have said this around your mother. Okay. Like this is get in trouble language, right? Unless you're like out of reach and not planning on coming back anytime soon. This was getting in trouble words, but that's how strongly Paul feels about the absurdity of the thought of choosing sin to gain grace. He's saying you are ridiculously wrong. Absolutely not. Then he asks the question, how can we who have died to sins to live in it? The word for died here means to lie down in death. If you're around water, it's the word that's used for drowning, to lie down in water and drown. When we faith in Jesus, we believe in who he really is. He is God, the son who left heaven to take on the flesh of humanity. And this God man, he did what none of us could do. He lived a perfect life. Then he was lied about, beaten, mocked, and murdered. On the cross where he is killed, he did even more. He took on the sins of the world and the wrath of his father toward that sin. Then he conquered death itself, rising from the grave, offering that same new life to all who would faith in him. To faith in Jesus is to believe in the one who took your sins to hell for you. Your sin was taken to true death by Jesus because that's where it belongs. Our sin was to die on the cross with Christ. So he's saying, how can you who've had your sins die on the cross with Jesus? Had that old person die there? How can you who have died in this continue to live in it? Jesus lived out the most amazing and the most perfect sacrificial act by taking our sin to hell for us. How can we still choose it? Because we carry, just like Ren carried around little Stinksby, we carry around the ghost of our old self. It's dead. It's gone. It's been killed on the cross, right? This is an already done thing. I am a son of God because he has already made me this. I'm already living in eternal life. This is already happening. But I carry around the old me before I knew Christ. And I listen to him. I listen to his sinful lies. And sometimes I believe them. Let's read verse three. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Do you not know? Paul is again asking a rhetorical question because he is astounded at these people. This reminds me, <laughs> this reminds me of a quote from a Yellowstone National Park ranger. He was being asked why the bears were continuing to get into the trash cans that they had put around the parks because it was constantly happening and trash was out and um, it was causing problems with bears being around the park. The park ranger's answer was this. There's considerable overlap between the intelligence of the smartest bears and the dumbest tourists. <laughs> I, I just, I felt that in my soul. <laughs> like, yeah, I understand. Paul's looking at these guys saying, you're, you're not as smart as the smartest bear. 
How in the world could you continue to do this? Do you not know these things? The reason this question is rhetorical is that the answer is implied. All believers know that Jesus died and was resurrected so that we could believe in him and have our sin die with him and then live in a new life with him and in him. Do you not know that all of us, all of us who have received the salvation, this seems very exclusive because he's saying us, not everyone. He's just saying all of us. That seems exclusive, but good Christianity is marketed as inclusive, right? We want to include everybody. Let's break that down for a minute. First of all, let's talk about how we are supposed to be inclusive. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever, everyone. And this is so true. Everyone who believes will be saved. Amen. There's no person too dirty, too gross, too bad, too far gone. Everyone who believes will be saved. But let's read John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's inclusive. Everyone who believes will be saved. But there is no other way to be saved than to believe in Jesus. You cannot be good enough. No other faith will credit to your account. Jesus is the only way. So our faith is inclusively exclusive. All who believe in Jesus. So everybody, all of us who have been baptized. All right. Greek word, baptizo. It's one of the, the strange words that we like to transliterate in English uh, translations instead of translate. And so we try to, we use this word. So baptizo means to plunge and be immersed in. It can also sometimes mean to be drowned. If you're talking about a ship being baptizo, it means the ship has sunk, right? So they used it in lots of different ways in uh, Greece uh, a couple thousand years ago. We have a very specific definition of baptism when we think about it inside of the church, right? Someone who is dunked in a small tub on a Sunday in front of others, right? Jack, you got to experience that. And it was awesome that we got to celebrate that with you, buddy. But this definition is very small. It needs to be bigger because baptism can be cheapened to mean something less than what it does. It can be cheapened by people who are baptized physically without understanding what it means spiritually, right? It can be cheapened that by those who are baptized physically, repeatedly, thinking that it's going to magically affect them spiritually. Hey, if I just do this, then magically things are just going to get better. The physical act of baptism is a sign to the local church of what Christ has done spiritually inside of someone. And it is so beautiful to be shown, uh, to, be, to be shown the outward sign to the church of an inward miracle, right? It's an outward sign to the church saying, look at what miracle Christ has done in my heart. To be baptized into Christ is to be sunk in him. 
to have him cover every square inch of yourself in him, to fall and sink into a sea of Jesus. That's the inward spiritual reality is I have sunk into a sea of Jesus where he's covering me in his grace. The outward sign is we show it to the church up here and say, look at what's happened. And I want to swim instead of that. I don't want to walk in my old way anymore. I want to walk in the new life that is being immersed in Jesus Christ. So those of us who have been baptized into Christ are baptized into his death. So we're sunk in his death. We have to be immersed into his death. The very death that called all sin to itself. Because death is the punishment for all sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there's no other outcome for sinners but death. That's it. That is the punishment for sin. In salvation, our old sinful selves are immersed in Christ's death on the cross that we may be resurrected as new creations by the power of his resurrection. And that is a beautiful reality. Verse four says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in the newness of life. The word buried means to bury someone along with someone else. Our old selves were put into a grave. Stop digging that grave up to find who you used to be. Stop going back to the place where the old you was buried and picking it up and saying, I want to remember what that was. That's dead. And you have new life in Christ. Just as Christ was raised, we celebrate Easter for this very reason. Jesus didn't just take our place in death. He conquered it. Only he could do this. And we did not deserve it. So we worship him today for being our resurrected living savior who provided a resurrected life to us. That's the Jesus we come and sing to. That's the Jesus we pray to. That's the Jesus we give money towards his church for. That's the Jesus we study because he is worth every act of worship we could possibly have. It says that we're to walk in the newness of life. Word walk means to live or behave in a customary manner with possible focus upon the continuity of action. Faith in Jesus is not, a sta is not stagnant and it's not an automatic thing that's just gonna just be there. We must choose every single day to live our resurrected life. Luke 9, 23 through 24 says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, the old self, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 
It is a daily decision to take up our cross. The cross where our old self died. The cross that we're pointing back to. The cross that Jesus Christ died on. The cross we take up is the one where we're saying, my sin is on Christ's cross. And I'm going to pick it up to remind myself, old me is dead and gone. But then we have to deny ourselves the temptation because instead of picking up, our, picking up our cross, a lot of times what we choose to pick up is our old chains. Amen? Because lost people is called death and sin, but we're also called slaves to sin. And sometimes what we choose is when we're listening to our old self or going back to our old things, we go back to our old cell and pick up the chains and say, I'm going to carry these around for a little bit. We're not slaves anymore. They can't contain us. We willfully choose to hold on to them. The problem is it's very difficult to carry your chains and your cross at the same time. So you have to choose which one you're going to put down. Jesus rose from the dead to give us access to new life in him. Just believe and choose to walk each day in this new life. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. The first thing I want to ask is this. If you haven't, for whatever reason, if it's been because you think that you're too far gone to be saved, if you think there's sin that's too great, if it's that you've had things, you're like, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to trust this. I don't want to go here. Maybe you're only here today because you wanted to make somebody in your family happy. But you have never believed in Jesus. Will you believe in him today and have your sins crucified with Christ? I beg you to do that and that only today if that's where you are. And please come and ask questions. Second of all, will you lay down the chains of your slavery to sin so that you can then carry the cross where they were killed? Choosing to walk in the new life that's only available to you in Jesus and letting go of what the old you was and hanging tightly to who Christ is turning you into. Jesus, I pray that this Easter we can be reminded that in your resurrection, you offered us a resurrected life, free from the death that was brought by sin, free from slavery to sin, that we could choose instead of being shackled to sin and instead of choosing to carry those chains, we can choose to carry a cross reminding us that our sin is dead because you took it to the cross for us. We can live inside of freedom in you in a new life. Christ, if there's anyone in here who does not believe in you as their Savior, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would show them who you are. They could see a loving Savior with his arms open saying, give me what's broken in you so that I can give you what's good in me. I love you so much, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Please stand and respond however God leads you.